each meaningless thought The shell appears strong, but the inside is right It's time to be stirred, the time is now The winds have changed, read the signs No time to hide, the winds have changed Millennia ago from the little cave on the tiny island of Podmos in the Aegean Sea, the heavens opened. Since then, the world has been fascinated by the cosmic upheaval brewing on the horizon of history. The upheaval is now upon us. It is within us. To some degree, it always has been. But there has been a sudden and violent shift in the affairs of the world. The winds have changed. Heaven will not be silent. Let's now join Father Anthony Bush, pastor of St. Stanislaus Koska, the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy in Chicago, and author of A Mother's Plea, For the Winds Have Changed. Together we can pave the way for a hopeful response to the signs of our times. Good afternoon, and welcome to the radio show. Today, we are blessed to be filling in for Father Anthony, and I am Loretta Fralick on Winds of Change, AM 750, and my co-host, Mary Fiorito, will be joining us shortly, and we just want to say Happy President's Day! Um, I have been blessed in my life and times. I, having been a county employee working in the state of Illinois, I always was blessed to celebrate both Lincoln's birthday and President's Day. So on the shortest month of the year, I was always blessed with two holidays. And, you know, a lot of us uh, former prosecutors will relate that we never really had those holidays because we went in and cleaned up our office that had just built up over the months and got everything back in shape, but to, uh, on the on February twelfth, we know we celebrate Lincoln's birthday, President Lincoln, obviously from the state of Illinois, and so that seems to always be one of the things that we keep together. And I don't know about uh, I don't know if you know this little fun fact, but the Illinois Tollway will always accept pennies when you pay your toll. So if you've got a dollar toll that you have to hit into, toss those pennies because the Illinois Tollway will be accepting your copper for your toll. But then back in 1968, the federal government changed February 22nd, Washington's birthday, who was a great president, obviously, and a uh, a brave president. And, the, you know, there's some wonderful books, some wonderful books written by Christian and Catholic authors that relate how Washington believed that his hope and his help came from the Lord. And so when um, individuals were talking about some of the great battles in the Revolutionary War, Washington always um, attributed it to the blessing of God. And he was good friends with the Frenchman Lafayette. And one of the things that uh, Lafayette did was he gave uh, George Washington a small little painting of the Blessed Mother that he, that Washington kept on his nightstand. And you used to be able to go and see it um, in Mount Vernon. But, um, uh, I, I don't know. I, one of the Clintons had it removed. So it's in our archives somewhere, and it is said that uh, the devotion to the Blessed Mother that Washington um, was going through, uh, he was thinking about becoming a Catholic before he died. So just a little fun fact. There's no people that have uh, honestly said he started taking RCIA, but we have every reason to believe that Washington— uh, also had a devotion to our Blessed Mother. So happy President's Day. I hope you're out there doing something fun with your family or you're taking a nice needed three-day weekend that they made the government made possible for our federal employees. And, you know, on those holidays when others experience them, there's just sort of this general uh, 
calmness of uh, everything that's uh, going on. It's not as rushed. It's not as busy. There aren't as many people on the roadways. I can tell you I had a great traffic ride in. It was zip, zip. So um, we are going to discuss uh, what happened in New York at St. Patrick's Cathedral. And uh, Mary Fiorito is going to call in because if you're going to talk about something going on in the church, you always want to have our in-house expert, Mary, on the phone. Hi there, Mary. Hi, Loretta. How are you? I'm terrific. Are you having Good. a Are you having a fun President's Day? Well, it's okay. You know, my my youngest is off of school, so that's why I'm not in studio with you because, um, of course, she has a far more active social life than I do. But um, she got whatever that horrible virus was that was going around. Oh, wasn't it? So awful. She, yeah, poor thing. She missed a whole week of school, and she hasn't left the house uh, to do anything—go to mass or or for about almost 10 days now. So I thought it was good since the weather broke and she's finally feeling better and finally isn't running the temperature uh, to get her out of the house. And so she went to a school-related event today. So uh, like you said, the traffic is fantastic. I zipped up to <laughs> Go somewhere. And, yeah, now I'm, uh, now I'm almost home. So that's, so that's great. And, uh, but I'm, I'm happy I could at least be with you by phone. Well, Mary, today we want to talk about what happened at St. Patrick's Cathedral in yeah. New York. And uh, last Thursday, there was a funeral in yeah. New York, St. Patrick's Cathedral, for an individual by the name of Cecilia Gentili, who is or was a big Apple transgender activist who right. championed the rights of sex workers, aid patients, right. and the LGBTQ community. And um, so can, let's just talk in general. Who can yeah. have a funeral in a Catholic church? So in, in order to have a funeral... In a Catholic church, one does have to be a baptized Christian. There are exceptions that can be made for non-Catholic Christians, for example, who are married to a Catholic spouse. So you do not necessarily um, have to be a baptized Catholic, but you must be a baptized person, right? So you would not have a funeral for uh, a member of the Jewish faith or a member of the Muslim faith. Uh, in, How in about a, an atheist, Mary? Would they well, have a funeral for an atheist? Right. So, and that was that was that was one of the issues. And I think, frankly, it's it's the issue that's sort of getting lost in this conversation. Um, the fact that she was a prostitute, notwithstanding the fact that uh, um, I shouldn't say she, the decedent, the deceased person, okay. was a biological male who represented as a female. Okay. And used and use the name Cecilia, but Cecilia was a biological male, and I don't know what um, uh, Cecilia's name was prior to becoming uh, Cecilia, but uh, that's how uh, this person... So just for ease, um, I, it's so easy when uh, you're talking about um, someone in this situation, mm -hmm. you get all the names and pronouns and everything else all screwed up. So I, I will call her she just for ease in conversation. Sure. Um, not be, not because I believe she became a female when she, you know, began dressing as one and changed her name. So I'm just doing it to make this, because otherwise we're, we're going to be, it's going to be word salad and we're going to all sound like Kamala Harris, you know, trying to um, <laughs> make, make sense of something that's kind of nonsensical. So, so are uh, you saying, Mary, that if I go into my bank tomorrow and I tell them I identify as a millionaire, they're not going to give me a lot of money? Yeah, I think they probably yeah. will not do that. Yeah, there's, there's only so much of this identifying that one can do. But at any rate. So, but at any rate. Uh, so well, the, the core issue here is, this, is that this person was the deceased person was an avowed atheist and um, and was not did not believe in God did God was not a part of this person's life and you know there there are times you know when someone might have a deathbed conversion right yes and, yes I mean John John Wayne did right John Wayne had yes. Catholic you know but John Wayne also uh, converted on his deathbed received the last rites and was received into the church you know yes so there are there's there's if if this person had chosen that, had, had repented at the end, um, and had asked to be baptized, and had asked for last rites, obviously, you know, God is a God of mercy, 
Amen. The church, first, the church is incredibly merciful towards sinners. Amen. Um, but that was that was not the situation here, from what I understand. I don't know the cause of the person's death. It, it um, from what I've read, it doesn't appear to have been from a protracted illness. It seems to have been um, sudden, I guess, or at least unexpected, I suppose. Um, and so, as far as we know, there was no opportunity for repentance. Right. Um, and I'm like, you know, there, there's another funeral, and I'm just waiting for someone on social media to draw the comparison. I'm sure it's coming. Um, of, of the lead singer of the Pogues. Um, I'm trying to say, that's a, it's a, it was a rock and roll band from Ireland. His name was Shane, uh, Shane McGowan, Shane McGowan, who was the lead singer of the Pogues. And he, you know, he was, I, I saw the Pogues once in Chicago when they played, and the man was so intoxicated he could barely stand. Um, but he was an incredibly gifted musician. Um, and there was a funeral held for him. I mean, people lined the streets of Dublin to watch his coffin go by. He was much beloved. I think he died of alcoholism. He was maybe, he was in his mid-50s, I think. So around the same age as uh, this Cecilia Gentile. Yes. And um, She and was 51. Funeral, 51, yeah. And so the funeral uh, uh, included... A, a musical rendition of one of uh, the Pogue's most famous songs um, called uh, The Fairy Tale of New York. And there's some very vulgar lyrics, and they did not they did not remove those lyrics from the song when they sang it at the funeral. There was some dancing in the aisles and that sort of stuff. But okay. the distinction here, and you know what? It, it was, and I think, I don't think that the, the parish priest uh, understood that that's what was going to be happening. I mean, sometimes, you know, when a parish, these things get sprung on you. Right. Right. And, right. and people are deceitful and they don't, they don't tell the parish because they want, they want what they want. And God forbid any rules stand in the way of what somebody wants these days. You right. Know? Right. So, um, so at any rate, uh, but it, but Shane McGowan, uh, it was very public. He, his wife made it clear he received the last rites of the church. Before he died, so he had a Catholic funeral. He and apparently he requested it. He asked for last rites, and he got them. So he died in a state of grace, as far as we know, and so was granted the right to have that, which he has. And and, sure. was, and frankly, was also a baptized Catholic. So right. uh, how how he practiced throughout the years, I do not know. But he he himself requested last rites. He received them, and so presumably died in a state of grace, which entitles him to a funeral. That was not at all the case here. Well, Mary, Um, you and I have both had the experience, and and very recently, of presenting ourselves to our parish to say, I'd like to bury my family member. And the process that the church seems to go through these days is they they're like acknowledging who you are. So, right. you know, in both of our cases, our parish knew us very well as right. active practicing Catholics. They knew our family members as attendees at church. But right. then there's that other layer. They send some, and you know, these people can be a blessing from God, you know, but there are some people that are then sent in to help you work through your funeral liturgy that, um, you know, that aren't going to let you bagpipe the guy in the church. You know, you're not going to sing, oh, Danny boy, as they are led out of the church. You know, the bagpipers will stand out on the steps of the church. Yeah, well, the the bagpipes are an outdoor instrument. I mean, we need to, you know, they are. Well, anybody's ever heard a bladed church knows they are. Now, I mean, the church can kind of absorb some of the sound. But the bagpipes are an instrument that were specifically created to be played outside. Mm-hmm. So, um, but at any rate, but you know, I, I believe one of the most requested songs um, for a funeral is, uh, you know, if it's an Irish American or even you know remotely close to that, is Danny Boy. Right. And you know, and it's not a liturgical song. You know, no, not a. Song. I and you know, and people that that is one song in particular that that uh, like you know, and it's about. Um, it's a it's a widow's song. It's a it's a mourning song. Yes. Um, yes. And so you know, there's there's a sadness in it about somebody saying goodbye to their spouse. Right. However, so it is. You know, it has that beautiful melancholy, but it's not a liturgical song. And I have heard, I can't tell you how many people requesting 
uh, Danny Boy, you know, for a funeral. And it's just simply not appropriate. Mary, I recently helped with a funeral with um, a baptized Catholic going home to God. Uh, She, uh, her family wanted to have some sort of candle lighting ceremony. Oh, my gosh. And, and, you know, so you gently talk them out of it. Right. But, you know, it it becomes, you know, what is this? Is this about the mass of Jesus Christ? Or is is this some sort of production to celebrate the person who's going home and right you know i mean and that's and, what I, and more importantly i'm sorry to interrupt you but more importantly and this is something cardinal george always was very adamant was that you know to pray for the soul of the deceased amen amen that, that that's and and when you go to a funeral and there's this assumption that that everyone's in heaven already and you know i i remember the cardinal coming back from a funeral of a rather prominent chicagoan mm-hmm. and you know he said to me you know, Mary, there was, I, you know, I said, how, how did it go? And we were chit-chatting. He said, Mary, there wasn't one, one prayer for the repose of her soul. Oh, my it gosh. All, you know, and he was quite distressed by it. This one this person was a Catholic and I believe more or less practicing. And um, and he asked me to put onto his schedule uh, a date when he could do a month's mind mass for this Aww. person, uh, which is a mass that's in, in the Catholic tradition. We have a, there's a mass that said one month of the from the date of the person's death to, to remember that person and to continue to pray for him. It's usually just the family that goes to the month's mind. Sure. Um, but uh, he said, I'll do the month's mind. Um, uh. And it was funny. He had me call the family and the family had never heard of this uh, tradition before. <laughs> I think because it, it's still very much done like in Ireland. Sure. And England, it's got, sure. You know, that would still be a very, something very in much Italy practice. And in Italy. Right. And, and so they asked, you know, like, well, they're like, you know, in four months, we've got a day here. And like, no, see, it has to be done within <laughs> the first month of the <laughs> We're trying to explain to them, you know, what the month's mind was. So anyway, that was funny. But um, Well, we're going to go to break but, now, Mayor. Okay, so perfect. when we come okay, back, yeah. we're going to yep. talk more about, you know, why it was such a sacrilege, what St. Patrick's Cathedral is doing about it or didn't do yeah. about it and is now yeah. doing about it. So um, this is uh, Winds of Change. I'm Loretta Freilich. We're on AM 750 with Mary Fiorito, and we're talking funerals. You can help save a life by praying for an end to abortion in your community. Find a 40 Days for Life vigil nearby. Visit 40daysforlife.com, 40daysforlife.com, to help save a life. You are listening to Mary Fiorito and Loretta Freilich on Winds of Change. The cross is the reality of God's love for us, for you. As we ponder the cross this Lent, consider the fact that our blessed Lord Jesus became man to pay the price for our sins committed against the infinite. Since Jesus is God and man, every act of his has an infinite value. Therefore, Jesus could have chosen to emit a single sigh or prick his finger and shed just one drop of his precious blood. That would have been enough to save us. So why choose the cross? Well, that is how much he loves us. He chose to be nailed to the cross and to pour out every drop of his blood for you, holding nothing back. This is the astounding love of Jesus for you. I'm Jim Littleton, forming FaithfulFamilies.com. God love you. Welcome back. We are, I just have the biggest smile on my face from that last promo. I mean, just to think about the cross is the reality of God's love for us. And so that's why we go to um, a funeral and we commend those we love to the mercy of God and we pray for their eternal soul. Now, Mary, did you have any chance to watch the video of some of this? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I I mean, can somebody say Broadway show or Studio 54? I mean, what was going on there? Yeah, no, it was um, it was spectacularly inappropriate. (laughs) um, You're too nice, Mary. It was um, a sacrilege. No, oh, it was. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'd like to just and I'll point this out again. But I want to I want to make it clear to listeners from the outset. 
that the Archdiocese of New York did have um, as quickly as they possibly could arrange it, a massive reparation. Uh, in, okay. in order to so I, I, let's first. talk about let's talk about yeah. what is a mass of reparation. So a mass of reparation is um, a, a particular kind of mass that is said uh, when something sacrilegious happens inside a sacred space. So, for example, if um, you know there was a there was a, a case where uh, these two shock jocks um, went to uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral, in New York. And um, they they had offered um, some kind of enticement for two people to go and to have sex in St. Patrick's Cathedral. Right, I and remember. So that, that, yeah, there was a couple that went and uh, took them up on it and did it. And so um, it, it's a sacrilege. It's a profane act that takes place inside a sacred space. And in order to make you know recompense to God for this happening in His house, a special mass of reparation is offered. Um, you know, to kind of purify the space after something, you know, um, evil has happened in it. Mm-hmm. And so that, so that was the case there. So a massive reparation was offered. And, um, and I'm glad that they did that and they put that in their public statement. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it was, um, it's, I mean, for example, and, and it would be uh, for the listeners who want to see some of this, um, I, I, I don't know that, that I even recommend looking at it because it, it just, um, you know, it just makes you so upset. But they had at, at the petitions, at the prayers of the faithful, um, mm-hmm. they had they had. Uh, so the woman, the, not the woman, the person, the decedent's name was Cecilia, even though the person was a biological male. And right. um, the petitions were, uh, you know, like we think this whore, um, the mother of all whores. Oh, I know, Cecilia. That that was one of the prayers of the faithful. I know, and and, so, and um, when she did it, or he did it, whoever was dressed in the purple sequin dress, when yeah. they did it, he he or she had um, the crowd in the church, you know, shout her name back, and then he told them, get up, or she, I don't know who it is, uh, yeah. told them to give St. Cecilia a standing ovation. Yeah. Now, are they giving St. Cecilia the patron of music, uh, which is what I think she is, or right. are they giving oh, no, this they, woman oh, no, their yeah. crowning St. Cecilia? That's, that's I mean, exactly what they were doing. They, uh, were, they were attempting, and, and uh, so whoever her uh, loved ones were that arranged this, you know, catastrophe of a funeral, yes. uh, they put out a statement um you know, essentially attacking the archdiocese for even saying anything at all, and saying, um, you know, we uh, we we canonized her. We had, you know, we went to um, to do this for Cecilia to canonize her. So they really believe that she's or she this this person, the decedent, mm-hmm. um, uh, has you know, and it's a very dangerous thing spiritually to assume anybody goes to heaven. Um, and so, you know, that's very much a, a trick of the devil, so that people Amen. don't pray for people who are deceased. Amen. And so, um, but just, I mean, vulgar language was used. People, um, and this woman, or per, sorry, person, mm-hmm. you know, was a, was a prostitute and advocated for, you know, what she called, he, this person called sex workers. Right. And um, so many of them were dressed like, I mean, I just, I saw some of them, the pictures of some of them going into the cathedral mm-hmm. and wearing negligees, wearing, I mean, just... Feather, I mean, feathers, just, boas, sequins. Yeah. I mean, it looked like they were going into a club. It yeah. did not look yeah. like they were coming into a house of worship. And, and you know, the, the you know, I, I, as a catechist, you know, I try to remind my students to dress appropriate when they come into church, you know, no right. Daisy Duke shorts, no, right. you know, you've got to have, uh, you know, yourself covered up. You can't be, you know, dressing like you're going to the beach. And right. and yet here in, you know, in St. Patrick's Cathedral, oh, my gosh, it is yeah. so beautiful and it is so welcoming. And there's, you know, it was when I worked in New York, it was my, uh, before I became a prosecutor, it was like my home parish. I was there every yeah. Sunday. And yeah. and just, you know, the reverence with which they treated the place and even reporters. I mean, it was when John Cardinal O'Connor um presided there. Even reporters were given a place of, you know, honor and welcome so that they could take advantage of, you know, 
transmitting and photographing these these uh, religious celebrations. And, right. you know, to see, you know, everybody with their videos on their phones, um, you know, like I tell everybody as a former prosecutor, don't think you're going anywhere where you're not being videoed. But right. to see these people holding up their phones and videoing this, yeah. This was not a funeral. This no. was a, this was a protest against the church and everything it stands for. Exactly, and then this, and then the statement that they put out following made it clear that that's what it was. Right. They made it clear that that's why they were there. You know, um, and it, and in fact, so there's a, a video that I posted this on my Twitter feed at Mary Fiorito on Twitter and uh, now called X. Um, where one of the, the, it appears to be the, the key funeral organizer, it disappears to be at the wake the night before, which was held in some kind of Methodist church, saying that they were going to be having uh, the funeral at St. Uh, Patrick's Cathedral because it was the, um, it was an icon, just like Cecilia was an icon. Oh, and okay. then she says, and then this person says, who also appears to be a trans male, mm-hmm. uh, whispers, and they don't know she's trans yet. And everybody starts hooting and hollering and laughing and applauding. So just blatantly outright says, we lied. Yes. We lied. We yes. led them to believe that this was a woman, and they don't know she's trans yet, and boy, wait until you see what we do. I mean, it mm. was just, I mean, it's, it's it, and you know what, I, I feel sorry for, it, it makes me feel very sad for, you know, people who have same-sex attraction, who are trying to live according to the church's teaching, who are trying to, you know, live a life of faith. Right. Because now that all this does, this, I think, has really set back. And now, you know, they're, they're what they would call their community, because now every every pastor now has to go over a fine-tooth comb. I want to see your, I want to see your yep. prayers of the faithful first. I want to see yep. your readers first. I want to know who, you know, now yep. you, now we've got to go through all these loops to make sure that the church isn't being set up for right. a photo op. And then there were all these, they put out press releases before the funeral that this would be the first, um, you know, open yes. trans prostitute to have a funeral and like the first no one time magazine yes. story the new york times story so they could they set this all up this was a media opportunity for them right and they set this all up they set the church up they you know and a lot of people blaming the staff and blaming colonel dolan and you know i i just think it's it's not right to blame them because i think um you know it's it's just um it's just not right to blame them because, you know, when people lie to you, you know, at, at yes. a time of a funeral or whatever, yes. you're expecting that the people, you know, that if, if you were not a practicing Catholic or whatever, you know, if there's extenuating circumstances about this funeral, that you're going to be honest with, you know, the, 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 the church about it because, right. I mean, it can cause so many hurt feelings and anger and, you know, and you get this sometimes with weddings too. It was oh, funny. Gosh. I was, <laughs> I was looking at, um, uh, I happened upon the, the Yelp reviews for my parish, and there was one from a bride who said this was, I mean, I'm not, I'm not making this up. This, of all the vendors I dealt with, this was the most difficult vendor to deal with. She literally called the church a vendor and said, um, you know, when I went to pay for the venue, so they, so like, this is somebody who, who did not, I mean, this was, I'm paying money to rent a venue. That was her, that right. was her perspective on it. Right. I'm paying money, this is a, you are a vendor, I'm paying money to rent your venue, therefore I should be able to do what I want, when I want it, in your space for the time that I have rented it. That was essentially her complaint, that they had rules, she wasn't allowed to stay an hour, uh, you know, an hour afterwards for more pictures. Um, I mean, she just said that, you know, they had, they were so strict with their rules. And after I paid all this money, you know, you would expect, I mean, so I mean, it was hilarious. Like this okay, amendment was so difficult. Going back to the funeral, I, I really think we're blessed in our church that they recognize a funeral mass for somebody that you love is probably one of the hardest days of a family's life. Of course. And they come to you you know, for the comfort. I, I can honestly tell you, I always feel better after I go to a funeral because of the joy of uniting your suffering to Christ. And it takes it, you know, not completely, but it takes it off your heart a little. And I right. really think that 
for them to come in with this, I don't, chicanery, this deception, you know, this falsehood, it it just mocks the church. But, right. But, you know, I want to know, because I don't know this answer, and, and I don't mean to throw you a curveball, but couldn't the priest who was celebrating this liturgy, when he saw what was going south, couldn't he have ended it? He, he he could have, and what happened was actually, they actually had requested it. I cannot, I mean, thank God um, that it didn't, it, they wanted a Mass, and right. so a Mass was scheduled for them. Could you imagine what might have happened with the Eucharist <gasps> if, that, if that had been permitted? Oh, but, um, and so at, at one point when the presider, who was a visiting priest, mm. who was not a regular priest at the cathedral, and that also might have been arranged intentionally sure. to keep to keep that distance between the cathedral and this event and the sure. event planners. Um, uh, you can hear it's either the sacristan or it's someone from the cathedral staff walks up, and you can hear it on the microphone, walks up to the presider. This is after when he said, gosh, uh, the presider... Um, sort of acknowledges the flamboyant dress that, that you know, and the cathedral sure. was packed. Yes, it was. It was. Um, it was packed, and, and they were, uh, it, was, it wasn't like, you know, a smattering of people in each row. It, they are estimating that there's over a thousand people there. Oh, sure. And because, again, this was set up as a media event mm-hmm. uh, for the first trans person right. to be having a, an openly trans person to have a funeral. Right. I mean, so they that's why they had so many people attending. They wanted to make it. They, they set it all up. This was all staged, all prearranged, prearranged with media. I mean, it's it's really despicable when yes. you think about it. Yes. Um, you, you have you have a, a church is trying to offer compassion and sympathy to the right. friends and family of a loved one, and this is how they're treated. Turn, you just turn around and slap the church right in the face. Exactly. And um, so at any rate, um, it was, uh, so the, the the sacristan or whomever, a cathedral staff person, it might have been one of the priests assigned to the cathedral, mm-hmm. walks up after the presider says, well, boy, usually at Easter we see people this dress up for a funeral. <laughs> we don't we don't normally see this. And, of course, they all start cheering and laughing and of clapping. Of course. And or dancing hear, down the aisle, whirling and right. twirling, dancing down the aisle. Yep. Yep. Go and oh, watch yeah. the video. Go and watch the video. It's oh, it's, it's appalling. It's absolutely appalling. And so you can hear the uh, cathedral staff person say, we're moving to a funeral service from a mass, do the commendation and wrap it up. Um, or words to that effect. So it, they 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 nixed the mass that and didn't seem to. Praise God. Uh, well, thank Praise goodness. Praise God. But it didn't. You know, it's funny because the the organizer when they put out their statement, they didn't say anything about. Gosh, they shortened it and and didn't make it a mass. I don't even think they knew. I don't <laughs> think they knew the difference between a funeral service and a mass. They obviously didn't because it didn't no. even occur to them. You know, to right. um, yeah. To, uh, to to make a comment on it. So well, all it, my masses at my church start with Billy Porter doing a dance down the main aisle. Yeah, but it was oh. so disrespectful. And you know, this the statement from the Archdiocese of New York. They actually had the statement come from um, the rector of the yes. cathedral, yes, uh, which would be appropriate. And sure. they said, "Thank you to so many who have let us know." They share our outrage yes. over the scandalous behavior at a funeral here at St. Patrick's Cathedral earlier this week. The cathedral only knew that family and friends were requesting a funeral mass for a Catholic. Not true. She was he, This person was not a Catholic, was an atheist, right. and had no idea our welcome and prayer would be degraded into such a sacrilegious and deceptive, in such a sacrilegious and deceptive way. Right. That such a scandal occurred at America's Parish Church makes it worse that it took place as Lent was beginning, the annual 40-day struggle with the forces of sin and darkness is a potent reminder of how much we need the prayer, reparation, repentance, grace, and mercy to which this holy season invites us. At the Cardinal's Directive, so that's Cardinal Dolan, at Cardinal Dolan's Directive, we have offered an appropriate Mass of Reparation. Right. So that was our, that the massive reparation had already happened, thank God, yes. before they even put the statement out. So that that was good too, because then no one could come and disrupt the massive reparation, et cetera. Praise God, exactly. Yeah. And you know, um, Raymond Arroyo over the weekend had a very beautiful comment that I speak, I think, speaks to our faith. And to hear it from a commentator like uh, Mr. Arroyo, who was a faith-filled Catholic and used to be, you know, Mother Angelica. He's written some great books. Um, He said that everybody can come and repent and be a part of God's kingdom, but you can't come here and stage a protest like this 
it was a sacrilege. So when we come back from our next break, Mary, let's talk about um, the the beauty of the massive reparation and and what it does for the faithful. Okay. This is Loretta and Mary on Winds of Change, 7.50 a.m. How long has it been since you have been to church? Busy schedule, work, or just lost interest? To be Catholic is not just merely attending Mass as just another weekend activity to be checked off the to-do list. Participation in the sacred liturgy gives you the opportunity to be intimately connected to Christ through the Holy Eucharist. You can also cleanse yourself of sin through the Sacrament of Reconciliation as a baptized Catholic. Come before the iconic monstrance to be in Christ's presence in the sacred silence of the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy. St. Stanislaus Koska Church is open 24 hours a day seven days a week. St. Stan's is just off the Kennedy, two blocks north of Division on Noble. Come back to Christ through the sacred liturgy and his gift of the sacraments at St. Stan's. We are the students of St. Stan's Lafosca Academy. Your children can join them for face-to-face classroom instruction. Visit ststanschicago.org to find out how. And you're listening to the Winds of Change. St. Stanislaus Koska Academy. St. Stan's is an exceptional private elementary school in Chicago, serving preschool, age three and four, pre-kindergarten, kindergarten, and first grades. We incorporate Catholic values and rigorous academic social-emotional learning, Chinese, Spanish, STEM, and more, providing our students with leadership and life skills to transform our world. St. Stanislaus Koska Academy is conveniently located one block north of Division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. To schedule your tour, visit ststanschicago.org. ststanschicago.org. Welcome back. This is Loretta and Mary, and we are talking about the sacrilegious uh, alleged funeral mass that was held in uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral last Thursday. Um, Mary, what I find so incredible is that there are not more people up in arms. This, to me, is such an affront to the faithful. And, you know, I can't imagine what would have occurred if they had done this uh, this mockery with um, in, like, a Muslim mosque. Um you, you mm-hmm. know, oh, you, they wouldn't dare because they'd all be dead. Uh, well, that's true. Well, no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't dare. They I know. wouldn't dare because they know there would be consequences, and they would be extremely serious and probably life-ending consequences. There really will. I'm not saying that you know, um, in, in any way to mock uh, the Muslim faith, but they, they, you know, you cannot even, you know, I mean, you, you've seen what's happened to Salman Rushdie simply because he. Yes referred to, you know, Allah in some way that was offensive um, to the, uh, you know, to Muslim sentiments. And, you know, two or three times there's been attempts on his life just for writing something in a book. So could right. you imagine if this happened? So that's what you almost want to say. I dare you to do this in a mosque. Go right. do it in a mosque and see what happens to you. But, they, well, you know, I, they won't. They anyway. won't. But I can tell you one of the reasons they won't is, you know, the big mosque in Jerusalem. You can't even get in there unless you're a Muslim. Yes, just try one of my favorite movies, and it was written by the oh, in Justin Justin College in I want to say Elgin. There, there is a phenomenal movie producer, and he does movies about God, about the Holy Spirit, and they're always with these incredible consequences. And I don't, and I mean moves of God that just blow your mind. You're like, okay. you know, they're only God movies. Only God can do this. Only God right. made this happen. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I'm going to get you that. I'm going to get you the movie. But one of the things they wanted to do is they wanted to go in the, they wanted to go into the mosque and um, without telling out the whole story, um, you, you can't go in if you're a Christian. You just can't. Okay. And this is a historical mosque. So, you know, they believe that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob all worshipped at places within this mosque that then they domed and only Muslims can go in. Right. Well, don't, yeah. doesn't the Holy Spirit make a way—I know he's all about those ways—doesn't the Holy Spirit make a way they pray for healing— 
over a man, and who does he turn out to be but the doorkeeper at the mosque? The man gets healed. Amen. The man gets healed and finds out they want to go in the mosque, and he leads them on a guided tour. And so you can see it in this movie. So you can't even come in a mosque unless you are somebody uh, escorted in by one of the Muslims, or you are a Muslim. And so now— you know, just a testimony to the Catholic Church, how welcome we, how welcoming we all are. Come on in, check out what's going on. And, right. you know, the beauty of it is reaching, the Catholic Church reaches out to everyone right where they are. Right. But we then are in, in turn supposed to be tolerant of um, activity and words that profane Jesus and mock us? I mean, well, it, uh, that, that desecrate our sacred spaces. Amen. I mean, that's the other thing to look at. There was a desecration that occurred. And, you know, it, it's very interesting, and um, I'm sure the listeners have been following along with this, but, you know, these cases against Christian florists and Christian bakers yep. uh, who won't, who won't um, provide services that would... Uh, you know, embroil them or entangle them in same-sex wedding ceremonies. So, for example, you have the very famous case of Jack Phillips, who was the Christian. He is not a Catholic. Uh, he's an evangelical Christian um, who owned a Masterpiece Bake Shop in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was an undercover report, Stephen Crowder, who I'm sure a lot of people follow. Stephen Crowder went kind of in an un- undercover way with a picture of him with another man and went to Dearborn, Michigan, which is about, what, 90% Muslim, right. and went into all the bakeries in Dearborn, Michigan, and asked for a same-sex wedding cake and filmed it. And and now a couple of the, the bakeries said that they would do it, but the vast majority said that they wouldn't. And one guy just said, no, we don't do that here, and tried to send them to Kroger, <laughs> across the street to the grocery store to Kroger. He said, I think if you go to Kroger, they'll do it. And he, and he said, no, but I just want this cake, and I just wanted to say, you know, Steve and Joe love forever. And he said, no, no, go. So now, but interesting though that you know when when um, you know Jack Phillips was set up because it was well known in the community that he was um, a very serious Christian and there were certain cakes he did not bake. So for example, he didn't even make Halloween cakes uh, because it, you know there's a lot of evangelicals who do not observe Halloween at all. So like that's how. Uh, but he, you know, and he just said, sure. I, "Listen, I don't do those. That's all." He said, "That's the, that was the entirety of the conversation." Oh, I don't do those. I can sell you any pre-made cake we have here, but I don't do those. Uh, just like he would have said if you asked him for a Halloween cake or for a divorce cake. That's a thing where you get a cake and then you cut it in half or something, some ridiculous thing like that. But there were just certain cakes he didn't do. But again, very interesting. They didn't target any of the Muslim bakeries, all of whom would have, you know, for the most part, asked them to leave. So, and might not have done it as politely as Jack Phillips <laughs> did. Um, and so, um, so at any rate, to get back to the reparation, so um, mm-hmm. masses of reparation, they're, they're not common, you know, because something very, very serious has to happen yes. inside a church to desecrate it in order to make that um, action necessary. But it's a means by which we offer God an act of compensation. Mm-hmm. Um, in in, a, um, in in amendment for sins that are offered against Christ. So clearly, what was I mean, it was it was making a mockery of the teachings of our church. It was making a mockery of our faith. I mean, to take someone's, as you point out, goodwill, compassion, and kindness, and then turn it back. It's it's like going into somebody's house for dinner and then you know upending the table and. <laughs> You know, bringing it up. I, I, I can't even, I, I don't even have a, I'm sorry, I, I'm kind of at a loss for words almost to try to find something to analogize it to that people can understand how serious that what, what happened in that church was. Oh, you know, I, I was reminded as of what happened in Louisiana um, back in, oh, I want, I don't know, uh, 2022. Is it, I I wish I had the uh, story here, but where the priest had sex with two yes. dominatrixes yeah, on yep. the church altar. Yep. And, you know, God bless the Diocese of Louisiana that uh, went forward with prosecution, and he received three years in prison. Did um, he really? Yes. I did not know that. Yes. The court suspended it. But, and gave him three years of supervised probation, and he was ordered to pay a fine. But if I'm not mistaken, I believe the diocese burnt the altar and had the massive rep- reparation. Yeah, I, well, it was marble. I don't think you can burn it, but what they did was they had to reconsecrate it. So altars, when they are 
uh, a new altar that's being built in the church. First of all, it has to have a certain number of relics of saints inside it, placed inside it. Um, and then it's, there's a very, very special way to bless it and to consecrate it for. So they had to completely, uh, that not only did they have to have a massive reparation, but they also had to, com- to re-consecrate that altar so that it could be used for something sacred again. You could have no, after that happened, no masses could be said using that altar until that action was taken. Wow. Yeah, it's very serious, and um, and again, maybe I don't know. It's a, you know, it's a holiday weekend this weekend. Maybe some people just didn't notice it, um, the story. But I I I share your surprise that there wasn't um, you know gr- greater pushback. But again, people are so conditioned now and yes. terrified. You say one thing against the LGBTQ plus 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 alphabet people, and they will they will descend on you, and they will try to destroy you. They will try to get you to lose your job. They will you know they will they will get you kicked. I mean they will do. Mary, they're are, are you saying that they're not tolerant? No, they're they're, they're <laughs> of the most intolerant group of people, and you cannot you cannot have. And this was something actually interestingly enough. Um, that Justice Alito, in his dissent from the Obergefell decision, which was the Supreme Court decision that um, changed the definition of marriage, uh, he said, you know, um, you know, while Justice Gorsuch is assuring us that this is just everybody will be left alone, gay people can get married, but everyone else will be left alone to believe what they believe, he said nonsense, because now this is going to become what is, you know, the laissez-faire attitude of Justice Gorsuch mm-hmm. is going to become a mandatory belief now for everyone. And those of us who hold opposing viewpoints mm-hmm. are, going to, are going to be civilly and possibly even criminally punished for holding those viewpoints. Yes. And certainly socially, yes. Yes, well, I found the article about the uh, Louisiana case, and it appears they did burn the old altar. Oh, did and they? The how Archbishop, would they do that? Well, I just was wondering well, this how wood, they can burn it. If it's a wooden yeah. altar... Okay. Oh, right? I didn't think it was wooden. I thought it was marble. No, they burnt the old altar, and the okay. archbishop gifted a new altar to the church. But Got here's it. where okay. here's you. here's where the the uh, members of Survivors Network of those abused by priests or SNAP mm-hmm. they uh, protested that the archbishop paid closer attention to an altar than the victims of the church. Now, I don't know who's a victim in a situation where two women are having sex with a priest. All adults, too, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, apparently and not, a, not a grown-up in the church, though. Yeah, in, in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, I know um, Archbishop wow. Carlson called for masses of reparation um, for uh, the, the sins committed by priests against children. That, oh. and, and he, I believe he had every parish in his archdiocese do that, so it's not Praise like God. a, you know... Um, that particular issue has been ignored no, by the church, and no. masses of reparation haven't been said no. for people who were victims. Yes. Um, However, you know, it, this, is a, this is a very different thing. This is, you know, um, of course, the other thing is also a crime, as you know. <laughs> and it's been, oh, and, but it is. Yeah, so it's, it, it's not as if the, the Church is turning a blind eye to the seriousness of that. It's, it's just a different thing um, in, in terms of how, you know, one, one would, you know, you wouldn't have, unless something happened on an altar or in, you know, um, a church space that would have desecrated it that way, then yes, of course, you would have to have a massive reparation offered. Well, you know, um, Mary, what's so funny is that, you know, I work with young people and, um, you know, teaching them the right and wrong way to do things. And always the church is a place of holiness that, you know, hosts our Lord in the tabernacle. Well, right. When I'm teaching kids how to move about in a church, to read or to be a Eucharistic minister, I won't let them put anything on the altar. Yeah. The altar oh, no, is can't. sacred. Yeah. You can't yeah. so much as put a piece of paper about an outline that you're going to read in a minute. Exactly. That exactly. is not ever, ever, ever goes on the altar. And right, right. You know, except well, the vessels. Well, they have such a good teacher in you. Yes, exactly. So that they know that. And um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I had I heard a situation recently, and again, you know, and and uh, a lot of people were saying, you know, that this was a, a conspiracy between Father James Martin and other people in the gay community to do this and to set this up. And and I said, you know, you can't. This was always sort of my turn of phrase when I worked at the archdiocese was, you can't attribute to malice. 
right. what can be uh, often attributed to ignorance. And, and, and apparently that is, that is really actually what happened here. The staff was ignorant about what this group actually had planned. The group deceived them deliberately. They had everything. It was, it was a setup from the minute. I mean, it's just, when you think about that, here is this person who's died, like, and you're going to use um, a religious denomination's most sacred space to mock yes. them to honor this person. I mean, just think about that. Yes. That's something else. And, you know, Mary, when you think of the beauty of St. Patrick Cathedral um, and you look at the pictures that are coming out of that funeral, um, it's like flowers in paper all scattered about. There's these two pictures of this woman. I mean, uh, this man dressed as a woman. You, you know, it's like, wait a second. Is, is is this about, you know, sending her home to God? Is this about the mass? Yeah. Is this, it, it's a mess. And, yeah. And add that to the to the the parade of people twirling and dancing. I mean, I got to be honest with you. Charismatic renewal learned a long time ago. We can praise and worship and dance in our own spaces, but we aren't going to be part of the mass as, you know, those dances going up to the altar with the uh, the gifts and all that other um, and and so when the church said no, that's not the appropriate expression of faith at these points in a liturgy. Right? Did you see the charismatic renewal protesting outside? You know, did you see them protesting inside? No. You have faith-filled individuals who want to be loyal sons and daughters of the church, and so they turn their personal desire or expression of faith over to the dictates of the church. And you know what? It's all okay. But this, this, and I don't want to dissuade anyone from going to um, St. Patrick's Cathedral. It is a beautiful cathedral. If you are a first-time visitor to that cathedral, um, I really suggest, I I lived in New York. St. Patrick's was my home parish. Um, Go down to Mulberry Street, where the original St. Patrick's is, and St. Patrick's, the new one downtown, is just this beautiful, even larger uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral, and it's absolutely magnificent. There is, even if, you know, I'm kind of an explorer, and there's the most beautiful Blessed Mother Chapel all the way in the back, so you take a side you know, it's there's an open aisle all the way around to the back, and there is the gentlest Blessed Mother Chapel. I, I really would urge people to spend some time there. This is a wonderful, beautiful place, and it, it is such a shame that mm. people chose to do this. And, uh, you know, again, Archbishop Dolan, he could not have known what was going on. <laughs> Oh, of course, and you know, and then people are saying all these things about him, and I mm-hmm. thought, you know what, he, he clearly he would not have permitted that to no. happen, and and you know, don't don't read into it what what is there, and um, and you know, the thing is too, I, I, a lot of most, in fact, I would say ninety percent of the, the commentary that you're seeing online is that, you know, um, uh, that the, the church is anti-trans and anti-gay and whatever. If if the person, the deceased person. Had you know again using the analogy with Shane McGowan right. um, received last rites you know presumably died in a state of grace um, struggled with sin like we all do but at the end you know um, was a believer the, the the person's sexuality is not an issue it's the no. fact that this person was an atheist an avowed atheist yes who then whose friends to make a political statement, arranged a funeral in a sacred space where they intended to desecrate that space with their th- their actions and their words and their music, which is exactly what they did. So during we, we the, are talking during the second day of Lent, Mary. Yes, I know exactly, exactly. It's it just is. Um, it's so shocking. I, it's just so shocking to me what was done. But you know what? It's um, uh, we. Um, we just have to, some things you just have to leave in God's hands. I, I think yes. the Archdiocese, in order to probably de-escalate the situation, because even then this, these people put out a statement trying to draw more attention to it. Right. They are attention-seeking 
you know, political activists who are trying to use the church even more, and good for, I, I say, good for Cardinal Dolan for not escalating it by doing the statement himself. He let the cathedral pastor yes. do it, which I think was entirely appropriate, um, and let him handle it. A massive reparation was said. They made a very strong statement, and um, and we're not going to give these people any more of the attention they seem to be craving. Exactly. And I think you're right. It was brilliant. It was a brilliant move to do the massive reparation without publicizing it so that no one could show up in protest as the prayers of the faithful protested the church's teaching by praying for uh, drugs and surgeries for transgender and just uh, saying it's okay to do this. And so um, it's quite productive. They handled it masterfully. And the mass of reparation, we thank God for the church. Clearly, this is not the first time something sacrilegious has happened in our places of worship. We have a way to deal with it. And at no point is uh, Cecilia not welcome in our church, not allowed to take advantage of the prayers of our church. And really, the more important or the more appropriate way to have uh, celebrated her would be to pray for Cecilia Gentile's uh, the repose of her soul, and the church even has a, a a way to do that. So we pray, eternal rest grant unto her or him, O Lord, and may perpetual light shine upon him or her, and may the souls of all our faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. 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 And you know what? We have a big show coming up next week, don't we? Oh, my gosh. We do, Mary. I can't even yeah. believe it. I'm so excited. Do you want to tell, do you sure. tell us? Uh, so, listeners, you probably have seen on social media or, you know, wherever you uh, get your news that there's a wonderful new movie coming out on March 8th, International Women's Day, and it's called Cabrini. And it is the uh, story of the um, life of Mother Frances Cabrini, who came to the United States to serve Italian immigrants here, first to New York and then here in Chicago, where she eventually died here in Chicago. So it is a movie um, that uh, is, is it's sort of in broad strokes, tell, talks about her struggle here, the struggle of the Italian immigrants here, and um, how she was a force with which to be contended and um, really did lay down her life for the Italian immigrants who were suffering just terribly, terrible persecution and prejudice against Italians when they first came to uh, the United States. And so we um, are just so thrilled that we're going to be able to sit down with the producer of Cabrini and have an extended conversation about the film and uh, why they decided to make it. You know, sure. of all the saints, the Catholic saints, how did Mother Cabrini go to the you know, top of the so, list? Right. And so Chicagoans will recognize that name from Cabrini Green, uh, the former housing projects that were named for her. Uh, but she also was the person who founded St. Joseph's Hospital on Lakeshore Drive. Yes. Uh, the National Shrine of St. Francis Cabrini is uh, located here in the city of Chicago. And uh, still and, and, in the same location as St. Joseph's Church. Down right. in the bottom, They they when they sold it, I used to do... Uh, I used to do interviews of children there, and when they sold it, they kept the um, the rights to the space where Mother Cabrini died and also uh, the church. So you are welcome to go to the shrine at any time. And uh, what's really so wonderful is that it's still there for all of us to see. Yes, yes. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful thing. So we'll look forward to that next week. Great. And right, also, we'll see, you then. On, see you, Mayor. Thanks. And okay. also, uh, Fulton Sheehan's day up at Mundelein. We had Dr. Peter Howard on before, and they're going to have a day on Saturday, February 22nd. Give Marytown a call if you want to be part of the Fulton Sheehan event. We'll see you next week and have that fabulous producer. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening. What's there to say when the world makes no sense? Do we search deeper truths or 